You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl, and welcome to part three of this episode at the New York Library Association Conference. In this last part of the podcast, we are going to continue to speak to Beth Lathrop from the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. Uh, so sit back and enjoy Chris and Beth talking about uh, some of the amazing things they have at the Strong Museum of Play. Tell us about the, <laughs> tell us about your mini Wegmans. Oh, this is the, one of the most popular exhibits. So it's called Wegman Super Kids, and it is a um, you know, kid size Wegman. So you can go in. They, the rule is that you get a little shopping cart and you can um, pick out five items. So it has the produce, it has like, you know, sushi, it has bread, <laughs> it has, so you, and it has all these, um, you know, you can get cereal, you can get ice cream, basically everything that you, toothpaste, anything in a Wegmans, and you load them in your cart, and then they have checkout aisles, and you scan, you know, one person can be the cashier, you scan and press some buttons and get a receipt. And there's you can work in the bakery. There's like a, a phone area near the near the checkout aisles. That so so you're you know acting you're playing as the the store manager. And what my sons like to do is one gets at a cashier, the other one gets at the the phone and makes an announcement and tells his brother that he's fired <laughs> from <laughs> from his grocery job. So that's what. That's what brothers do, but it's all imagine of play. Like I'm, I'm working in a store. I'm, I'm doing my grocery shopping for my family, and then you have to go put your items back that you, um, that you bought. So, it's it's pretty cool, and it's one of the most uh, popular exhibits because every kid likes to get a shopping cart and load it up with fake onions and <laughs> blocks of cheese. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really fun. It sounds. I, so I want to go back and play. Yeah, I really do. And you, you talk about. I just had this feeling when I went there, like you know, it was almost like going back to. Um, I'm going to go back really, really far now into Long Island Toy Store history. I was going yeah. back into Play World. I don't know if you had Play World up here. No. I think they only like. We had they, a couple KB Toy Stores up right, there. Right. So yeah. back, back way in the day, down in Patchogue, um, where the um, Staples is now, it was a, a, play, a toy store called Play World. And when you're, you know, six years old, seven years old, it's the most hugest yeah. store ever. And I felt like I was back in Play World. The only yeah. thing missing was the um, the section outside, on, but behind the chain link fence where all the swing sets were. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what we were talking about before with with the, the Jaws game, mm-hmm. it's like you got to be kidding me. Brought a part of my brain back to life yes. that hadn't been used in a really long yeah. time. Yeah, people really get lost in the, you know. I remember when when I had that toy and. Um, you know, or my neighbor had that toy. I was always really jealous, and she would yeah. never let me play with it. And that's actually one of our um, our archival collections. We have one uh, play scholar, Doris Bergen. Her collection. Um, one of the things she did was she uh, would survey her college students, and it was sort of this um, was called Adult Memories of Play. So she had this questionnaire, and she did it. I think in the. Um, 80s, and then she did it uh, again in early 2000s. So you're reflecting on your childhood from from then, and she asked, you know, what, who did you play with? What did you play? Like what, you know, sort of trying to suss out what we remember about how we played and what we played, um, and how does that affect what you what you are now? Like, did you play school when you were a kid, and now you're a teacher, or did you, 
you know, always play baseball, and now that's your hobby is, you know, baseball cards. So she was trying to, she, and it's um, interesting to read through because it's two different generations, but that's just an example of one of the Play Scholar collections that we have um, in our archives. But we also have the most heavily used are the video game designers like Will Wright, um, Bill Budge, Ralph Baer, and all the, Carol Shaw is a new collection that we have. So we're really, we're really pushing contacting you know toy game and video game designers because the best way to preserve the history is you know is to have it at our institution where we can protect it and make it available for future generations and that the design process and the thought process and sort of the how do you come up with these games what is your you know what are your prototypes you know how you know trial and error you know focus groups, um, that type of thing. That's what people are really studying is the, you know, sort of how the sausage is made, and that's what we're trying to capture and preserve. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you get donations from people with, whether it's a game or whether it's a bicycle or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that's in poor condition that you can then either restore or preserve in one way, shape, or form? We, at this point... If it's something really, really rare, then um, poor condition is something that we would take into consideration. I think I mentioned last night, sometimes with the um, arcade and pinball games, we will acquire a kind of good (laughs) example and then some ones that are kind of broken down because we can use the parts to make one representative um, object. But it, it, de- it depends on the, the condition issue. We don't necessarily want to bring something in to the collection that would affect other things in the collection. Um, but if it's, partic- if it's you know, an example that we have no other example of, then, mm-hmm. then yes, we'd, we'd take it. But um, we have uh, some other things to consider with the condition. But, I mean, if something has a, a ding on it, yeah, we can deal with that. We have a conservation team. So it, it depends on the, the object, what our condition requirements are. How many people work in the actual archiving, cataloging? There are only three of us. Three of you. <laughs> I'm thinking there's like a team, you know? We have a collections team. So we have um, a curator who does dolls and toys, a curator for games and puzzles. And in iCheg, we have a curator, and then we also ha- um, have a digital games curator. So um, that tends to be our, our heaviest collecting right now is in that. So we have two curators. Um, on the library side, um, there's myself. Tara Wintersweet is our cataloger. And uh, Julia Novakovic is our archivist. It's amazing that you do that with such a, a, a yes. small team. Yeah, there's we're very busy. <laughs> so, how often do you rotate displays? Um, do you do like theme weeks or theme months? Or? There's we have our changing gallery, which right now is uh, be the astronaut. That is sort of um, that changes three times a year. We usually and it's a combination of exhibits that we create. Um, over the summer, we had our rockets, robots, and ray guns, um, which is sort of science fiction play. Uh, that was something that we, that the exhibits team and the collections team designed, um, and we've done that two summers in a row. Before that, we had boardwalk, arcade, and uh, we had a pinball playfields exhibit in our changing gallery. The pinball playfields now has its own permanent space because it was so popular. And then we'll get exhibits in from other museums. So in February, we have Doc McStuffins coming in, which is wow. going to be pretty fun. And it's and then with the changing gallery, I get to buy the children's books for that. So I bought a lot of 
you know, being a doctor, being a vet, um, you know, that kind of, you know, how to care for animals, how to care for toys, uh, books uh, for Doc McStuffins, and she'll be popular. And we've had Sid the Science Kid exhibit in that was hugely popular. Um, we had a Hot Wheels one in. So the changing gallery is about three times a year. And then we have also a hallway outside that that will, we had um, Out of the Vault, which sort of brought out some things from our different, our collections that people might not have seen. And um, what was the most recent? Oh, we had a jigsaw puzzle exhibit that was um, that was really nice. So we have a couple of areas. And then there's a, a case by the train the Strong Express that has a changing um, exhibit, but those are smaller scale than our, our main exhibits. We won't have any really big, we just um, um, opened um, Imagination Destination, which is our newest exhibit, but then the next, the next exhibit will be with our expansion that we're planning. We're planning a large exhibit for the World Video Game Hall of Fame in our museum expansion wow. that we're in the middle of right now. <laughs> God, this is all so exciting. Yeah. Like I said before, I'm still floored. I'm still speechless <laughs> about the place because, like I said, I was back in Play World again. Yeah. What, what fascinated me, too, was how you go, like, and you said it before, the cross-generational. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff there that my kids, who are now mid, early, and late teen, mm-hmm. are going to get. And then there's stuff that probably my dad would even right. get. Mm-hmm. And some of the old stuff was so like you know socially inappropriate yeah (laughs) yeah um who was i talking to oh um someone at the event last night was telling me that when he had mr potato head it was still you actually had to have a potato and they had these spike i mean it was like let's give our child's um you know ears with a metal spike on it because he had to like stab it into the potato and so i asked him like how did your parents do it? Like how many weeks before they found like a moldy potato in your room from this <laughs> Mr. Potato Head? Like I would not recommend giving, you know, real food to kids to hide in their room. But, and then things like lawn darts. I was just going to, that was right. That was the next thing on the tip of my tongue, lawn darts. Yeah. So we've had some people come in and do research about, um, you know, toys, toy safety and sort of that, that trend of how, you know, how do we make toys safer? And we've done, they've done a couple of exhibits. One was a sort of, what were they thinking exhibit, sort of, <laughs> um, you know, all these toys that you just look at it and shake your head. Like, I think the daddy saddle was one of those. That's the thing that you, <laughs> like, you're supposed, you know, how you, you, yeah, you ride on your parents' back. And, yeah, yeah, but they have, like, a, a saddle for that now. <laughs> you know, and it's funny, as you're talking about that, I remember when I was a kid, the, the TV show Battlestar Galactica was mm-hmm. insanely popular, and everybody was riding that that Kenner Star Wars action figure ride, you yeah. know, that whole thing. And my brother had gotten the the bad guys were the Cylon warriors, and he had this like flying saucer kind of thing. And the toy, the two ends of the wings, you would press a button and they would pop out, and there'd be like these little pegs that you would press the button and they would shoot out. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what happened, but original, the original first gen of that toy, those pegs would shoot out, but they were tiny pegs. And I think a kid choked on it or mm-hmm. something. So by the time we had gotten it at Christmas, you would press the button and the pegs would just pop out, but would still be would affixed still be to affixed the... Affixed to it, yeah. 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 So when you were, ta- when we were talking about that safety, <laughs> that's the first thing that I thought of. Yeah. It's um, there's so many different aspects to, to research from you know from how the from how something is created to yeah it's a it's effect on the culture and 
culture's effect on it. And it's it's just a really, every researcher that comes in tells, you know, shows us something new because we can't know everything. Um, right. So we we get some some really cool discoveries of people that come in. Do you get a lot of toy R&D people to come in and do some research? We've had some companies have come in to do um, research. Not as much. Um, it's more people looking at as um, studying the, the, the development process or the game itself. That's more of the angle. Um, the majority of people that come in it's a lot of uh, PhD students working on their dissertations or faculty who have a specific research. So I'd say corporate researchers are fairly rare. We've had a couple, but it's more academic side or people who just have an interest in something. So yeah, I have independent researchers who are just really into Michigan toy companies and they come in and research those. Or they, they find a doll in their collection and they wanna um, identify it, so we- You can um, pull the specs up. Yeah, or if we have examples. Because that's one of the things when you are researching in our library, we I connect with the different curators to bring the objects themselves up too. So you could be using library resources and have the game prototype up or we can um, set up the iCheg lab so that you can play a video game on the original equipment um, right down the hall from us so you can kind of call it like a, a 3D research experience because you can, you're using the primary sources but also the object itself mm -hmm. in the same spot. So it's a unique place to research. So let's switch gears for a second and sure. let's find out more about like your background. Like, okay. did you go? Did you get a master's in library science? I or? did, and okay. it was before I went to um, SUNY Buffalo. And I just have a regular MLS because it was before they added. I think they have it's an MLIS now, maybe. Something like <laughs> something that, yeah. like that. So I don't I don't have the the I, but I have an MLS from um, SUNY Buffalo. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in um, English and uh, world literature. And then I came back to New York to go to library school and started out in public libraries. I went down to, back down to Virginia. That's where I went to undergraduate school and was a reference librarian in Roanoke, Virginia. And then did um, tech services in a little town of Stanton, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then I was collection development for Bridgewater College in, again in Virginia. And then I moved to South Carolina and worked for the uh, Beaufort County Library in Beaufort, South Carolina. And I was a branch manager for a little branch, um, the Libigo branch. And then I moved back to New York and started working for the Geneva Public Library. I came in to fill in for the teen services librarian and then transitioned to reference services and then um, was the director for a couple years. And then um, at that point I was pushing 20 years as a, as a, as a librarian, and I was looking for a little something different, and uh, this popped up, and I said, why not? I can do, what I do is, I've always kind of been a generalist, and you know, I can run budgets and reports for you know, a library, whether it's a public library or a special library, so the skills that, you know, helping researchers and sort of facilitating that experience, I can, I can do, so I just, took a chance and it's been really enjoyable. It will be five years in January. I think I started, yeah, be five years with the strong in January. So, I, you know, <laughs> again, completely speechless. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite thing? Like, do, is there something you walk past and you just stare at it for a few minutes before you go out in your day? Or, or is it, or is it all become like all old hat at this point? It's you don't not, even see it um, anymore. It's, um, we have, a. 
Um, every month we have a little um, acquisitions team that sort of gets together and we just report on the things that have come in to the um, to the museum. Um, so I get to see, every month I get to see something new. We got like a in-the-box um, Castle Grayskull uh, a couple <laughs> months ago and I just lost my mind over that but um so new things coming in are really always really cool but i think my favorite collection that we have in the library and archives is probably we have um ken and roberta williams sierra online collection Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite games when i was younger was the king's quest uh, series Mm -hmm. so i played um it was the perils of rosella king's quest four was the one that i was really into it's where the it's the the daughter princess rosella and it has a lot of fairy tale pulled in and she has to um it was just a really great um it was the it was a strategy game but it had the graphics so like you would have to walk you know avoid an ogre and all this really kind of go so we have her sort of design notes and some of the uh, sort of um, the game strategy that she was working on and that was one of my favorite games so I was I'm always really like it when we pull out the Sierra um, Sierra online collection to to display to people but um, yeah I'm kind of eclectic I had you know I'd liked the Barbies I was way into Barbies for way too long and um, <laughs> um, but also liked the you know the, the Star Wars action figures and you know, I would had I had some dollhouses, but my people in the dollhouse were all my Star Wars people. Star Wars so, figures, yeah. and <laughs> yeah, so it's you know everything everything that comes in is is interesting, and it'll you never know what's going to resonate or bring up like you did toys that you didn't even remember, and you're like, oh my god, I remember that now, and so yeah, I can't even. <laughs> And I just have, just because I'm going to be a geek for a minute, for all my Star Wars fans, what kind of collection do you have for the Star Wars stuff? I can't um, do justice to what we have on the object side because I'm I'm mostly collecting on the, I specialize on the library and archive side. Mm -hmm. Um, But we got the trade catalog, the, the first Kenner catalog that the Star Wars action figures came out in. So we have, and it's tons of pages of, you know, uh, the action figures and they had other things they had blasters and I think they had like a big princess Leia head like you could comb her hair and I stuff. remember that yeah. yeah so that's really cool on the library side that we we got for the Star Wars action figures but um, I know our object collection is is um, it's got to be huge it's got to be huge yeah and it's you know that's a lot of think times that people I, I we have we work together as as a really great collections team, but it's also kind of a relief that you can leave, you know, worrying about the the action figures to the um, doll and toy curator, and I can focus on. So some things I know more about, and some things I don't. So I kind of have my little library and archives world, and then I know if I have a question about the objects, I can I can talk to my team. So. God, it's such yeah. a cool place. And it sounds like it's such a unique and interesting job. Yeah, yeah. It's um people usually either tell me like you have the coolest job or like I have no idea what your job is. Like you're <laughs> not sure what exactly it is I do. I think I finally finally convinced my family that I actually it's a real job and then I do stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We get to meet really great people. 
the one I always brag about is that twice now we've met um, Bonnie Erickson, who was the inventor of Miss Piggy. Wow. So we have um, some of her papers, and um, we work with her and the, the, um, the Henson um, organization. And so we've met her twice. And uh, the second time I got a picture. I haven't gotten a copy of the picture yet, but I have to find <laughs> that and put that out. But she's, um, she's great, and uh, her collection is great. And Miss Piggy was one of my favorites, so... So quick question about funding. I'm yes. sure that part of it is an endowment. Yes, the museum um, has an endowment and they and um, we also like for the expansion, they're doing a capital campaign. We also are funded through membership. As the exact breakdown of the budget, I don't know, but um, we have you know collections fund and um, other funds. My uh, mini branch of the public library is funded out of a separate fund, so that's a separate endowment from um, the Gelser family. And um, so we can kind of treat that as that's always the public library side. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we um, we ha- and we have a very active um, institutional advancement team. They do a lot of um, we have our big event, the big gala every year is the play ball. It's in October every year, and they have in the about two years ago they started doing it's called the happiest hour it's maybe three or four times a year and it's on a wednesday and once the museum closes it's a 21 and over event and similar to what What we we did what we had last night except you can go more places and they have food and drink stations and it's always a theme yes so we i think they'll have one in december and then they take a break over the spring um so they do events like that they do Um, weddings too I don't know if anyone's done a wedding. They definitely do. Wedding reception. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll have to ask. I don't know if they've ever had a wedding reception. I just asked because we have an aquarium down on the island. Yeah. And it's a big thing to have like your to reception your rece- at the aquarium. Oh, I should tell. Yeah. Um, There's a new revenue stream for That you. is a new revenue. Maybe they'll give me a cut when I come <laughs> up to them with that idea. But no, they're they're really great too. So we have, you know, and we're always pursuing grants for various projects. And so we try to, um, you know, spread the financial burden out between all of our all of our things so because financial is always a burden yeah. in one way shape or form right people have to get paid and, yes and yeah you have to be able to curate and and you have to be yeah and, and preserve big, yeah and preserve that's another that's probably the biggest thing it is because if you're getting a collection in you have to um it's you can't just bring it in and throw it on a shelf you need to make sure that you know even if somebody is donating a large collection we have a you know a cost for like you know, physically processing it, but also the materials that we need to, to keep these things safe. So, yeah, there is a collections cost beyond beyond getting it in the door. Um, it's the long-term preservation. Sure. <laughs> now, do you get donations from, um, from manufacturers? We have a couple of relations. We have relations with Stern Pinball. So um, with our Pinball Playfields exhibit, um, they uh, donate um, the, some of the newer machines to us, and they'll switch them out. And we have some corporate archives, so Spin Master, and we have collection from Gund um, in different ways. We have, and then there's some corporate sponsorships of some of the, the exhibit space and other things that we do. Um, but those are the two that come to mind from the collection standpoint is Stern and some of our um, corporate archives that we have. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm so floored. I- it's just such a shame for us that it's so far away for us. Yeah. Because I would take my kids there in a heartbeat. So if mm-hmm. you live in western New York or northern PA or even southern Ontario, yeah, you have to come and see this museum. Yes. Because 
look, I, I want to cry <laughs> at one point. It, it, it brings back so many memories. Yeah. And like I said, it lit up a part of my brain that hasn't been alive in a long time. So, and if you're on vacation, if you're at the, in the Finger Lakes, yes. you know, you're going wine tasting or something mm-hmm. like that, take a trip up to Rochester because this is, this is really something special. But the first vibe that I had gotten with all the Toy Story kind of genre things, it was almost like the Disney World ride, the Toy Story Disney World ride. I, I got that, been on that. that feel of it. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is something else with the high ceilings yeah. and the dome and, and Sesame Street. Sesame, yeah, you've it's got like, the, that, the that right is, there. That, that's the buy-in right there. You see Sesame Street, and if you were born, you know, if, <laughs> if you were a late 60s kid all the way to now, yep. you know, it, it, it's just, it's right there. And you're like, yeah. okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, what else do you have? And you turn that corner and it's blown away. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Um, uh and it gives you um, one of the things that I like about it is that it's, there's a lot of interactive things for um, for the younger children. But um, one of the museum's priorities is um, we're an, we're an object based history museum. So we want to have if your kid is playing with something in one history place, um, then there's a case there that has um, artifacts and you know and labels that are engaging that will you know that that will um, educate uh, adults about you know different facts in history and so we want to have both things there you know that for the and you know something to keep the kid engaged and also um, things to to give you a different perspective about play and its and its history and the objects and yeah just show you something new and it's I think it's a really good mix of what keeps your kids happy and what keeps your brain happy as an adult. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's it. the address of the museum? The museum um, is One Manhattan Square Drive in Rochester, New York, and the website is museumofplay.org. And if people have questions for me, um, there's there's forms on the website, but also if you just email library at museumofplay.org, it comes to me, so I can hopefully answer any questions. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for taking the time me. to come this out. This is great. And I loved hearing about all the friend stuff. And I know where to take all my fabric and notions yeah. that people keep giving me. Carl's great, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he's great. Yeah. And Brockport's an adorable town. So visit that as well. Yes, Brockport. Uh, lots of apples down there. And thank you again one more time to Beth Lather from the Strong National Museum of Play. She's the director of libraries there. And we wanted to uh, say that she, we were so happy that she uh, was able to share so much about what she does and uh, open up about what that uh, museum is like because it really is an amazing place. So that's all the time we have uh, for this edition. And if you have any questions or comments of that at the show, uh, visit the Contact Us section of our website, thelibrarypros.com. We'll also have links and photos from this episode on the site. And visit us on Twitter at, at the Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend about us because that's how we get listenership to grow. So remember the opinion, opinions stated by the Library Pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and the guests and not those of the Sachem Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippin Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob
special thanks to Sachem Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.